You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. Welcome to 3AM. 3AM. 3AM, where we discuss and dissect the supernatural. What's the scariest thing you've encountered? That's been one of our favorite questions for years. 3AM is the result of asking this question over and over again. Stories we share are typically sourced from those we know, our listeners, or personal experience, the validity of which can be determined by you, the listener. While we might not have all the answers, we find the culture and lore surrounding paranormal events and unnatural occurrences fascinating. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. We hope you enjoy. What's up, guys? My name is Charlie. This is a 3 a.m. podcast where we like to tell scary stories. I have my beautiful brethren here. My kings. (laughs) DJ. Sean. Yep. Super stoked to be here. Uh, Happy to be recording all you listeners out there hi we hope you're doing well welcome back for many of you welcome to your first one for some of you welcome to the rest of your lives (laughs) (laughs) regardless welcome uh how you guys doing pretty good yeah yeah uh isn't it crazy that today is the 29th of june tomorrow's the 30th and we're halfway done with 2020 (sighs) we were all just together for new year's eve Bro, wow. Up in Eagle Mountain, yeah. remember? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying to find something to do because we had <laughs> nothing to do. Yeah, this year is halfway done. True. And it's all, July 4th is always sad to me because it's like summer's halfway done. Mm. But for us, the best part of summer hasn't come yet. <laughs> <laughs> Should we tell everyone? So Sean and I were going to go to Belize and Guatemala. <laughs> that got dashed because of a bat. I was going to <laughs> Portland... Washington. Washington, D.C., a couple other places. All of those got canceled. Big sad, but they're, they're good problems to have. Like, at least we could go to those places, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we've had to settle pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go to DJ's home. We're all going to Hawaii. Hey. Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. Uh, there's going to be 10 of us going, so... If you're on Oahu, hit us up. <laughs> yeah. No, but we're going to record in Hawaii, too. Oh, sick. So we're going to try to do one episode there. Okay, okay. And release it. So maybe, 
I'm going to try to see if I could bring somebody on the podcast. Oh, like it? We'll see. I'll, I have a couple ideas of some people I can bring on. Oh, I didn't know any of this, and I'm all yeah. excited. <laughs> Announcement for Sean. Well, the thing is, we're going to be there for two weeks. Yeah, I was wondering, but yeah. like I hadn't said anything so, yet. So We'll likely pre-record one. Yeah. I don't want to spend all my time doing podcasts. Nope. There. <laughs> don't want to edit while I'm in Hawaii. <laughs> um, but exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. So you want a buddy to come on the podcast? Yeah, I got a couple <laughs> friends I can come on. Is Israel Kamala Mea here? Yeah. <laughs> we can find him somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> zing. Z-Z-Zing. <laughs> now, uh, Hawaii is going to be... Real fun. Wait, no. while we're in Hawaii, we have let's let's go to Morgan's Corner. Hell yeah, brother! Let's and let's it. go to the highway. That's all in the same place. Let's do okay, Poly let's Coast. Do let's do Poly Cliff too. Just take a photo. We went there last. last Actually, time. what we should do is reenact the battle. Let's do <laughs> it. Well, when you go to the Poly Lookout, there's like these plaques with information, history of the area, and whatnot. And they have a famous painting of the Battle of the oh. of Nu'uanu, I think it's called. That's the area, Nu'uanu. Mm-hmm. And then Pali is Cliff. But they have the famous painting where Kamehameha is pushing all of people. Search it. Okay. Should look at it. But. Nu'uanu. Bro, how did they get this footage? Back. Painting his first image at the top right. This one, yeah. Y'all ever like press a piece of paper and try to zoom in (laughs) or swipe? (laughs) Double tap my paper, yeah. (laughs) What the Uh, enter, bro? Today I uh, had a piece of paper and folded it in in half. Hot dog or hamburger? I did hamburger, burrito or taco. Kevin's here, (laughs) yeah. Be respectful, Uh, but then did that thing to crease it, dude. (laughs) I said you can't use it against me. Uh, You weren't there when it happened, bro. Ugh. I bet, yeah. I bet none of you understand. You probably all like that's the dumbest thing I heard, but it legit sends shivers down my spine. I just was like thinking scarier about than it any when story I did you've it. ever told. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild, bro. Oh dang! Mm. So at the bottom of that cliff is Morgan's Corner, <laughs> and we'll be going there. <laughs> so that that's where we're trying to go <laughs> <laughs> to finish that story. Yeah. Some real hauntings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, uh, we should make an infographic. It's like at regular people's podcasts and then like our podcast. <laughs> and it's just all these branching things. <laughs> We've gotten way better, but we're still wild. We're still not good. <laughs> <laughs> not better. <laughs> cool. Hawaii's going to be awesome. We're excited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever had your tarot cards red and what was your results no because i'm scared yes so kevin's sister self-proclaimed witch Mm -hmm. um you guys can listen to her on episode whatever 3 p.m (laughs) caroline (laughs) on energy energy but she read me sean and i think jordan's tarot cards yeah i think so i thought it was Spot on. I don't know if it was spot on. I was tripping out. It was weird. She read mine and everybody was like, oh my gosh, this is spot on. I was like, I don't agree with it. It's like if someone says, you will meet someone in the next year, you could meet someone the next day. 
that's why like it's applicable for anything. And that's why you're the skeptical one. <laughs> no, I kind of believe that too. I feel like oh, you could pull any card from that deck and it'll work. It will relate some way. Yeah. Yeah. Because like the, you, everybody tries to connect the dots. Before we keep like, going, I bet some of our listeners do believe in it full heartedly. Yes. And that's dope. We support yeah. you. Yeah. 100%. Um, and we can have different opinions and still all be friends. Right. Damn, what a crazy concept. For instance, <laughs> I kind of thought they were spot on, and I was I was buying into the whole idea and when I, I was listening. I didn't think they were spot on, and we're still friends today. Yeah, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> like sometimes. Do we? Sean's was all about like having to give up power and like let other people kind of help him in things, which I was like, oh my gosh, that's Sean. No, Jordan's bro. was like, stop being dumb and <laughs> get it together <laughs> grow up yeah, i was like wow like vertically <laughs> <laughs> bro we're not height shaming no one here dog you're right i'm sorry <laughs> yeah i can't even remember what mine was but i was like oh that's me i can't remember totally just i just remember thinking like okay anyone could be make that applicable so your issue is just like it was dealing with themes that are universal yeah. It's like you're going to have a hard moment. You pulled sometime. the king card, which <laughs> yeah. means you're going to have good luck this year. It's like a fortune cookie where it says uh, you'll have success in your endeavors next month. I think even though that might be our belief, I think on the other end they would say something along the lines of, well, that's what we're focused like that's the focus right now. You know, like if you're thinking about it, then you can start working towards it or something. Like you're putting it out there? Yeah. I, I kind of believe in that too. Like yeah. if you believe something good's going to happen to you, your chances of that happening probably do go up. Yeah, yeah bro. Secret. Therefore, there is some reality to it. Yeah. And I mean, I cannot argue with perception is reality. Mm-hmm. Placebo. That's, yep. Anyway. Have I ever told you guys about the time I almost lost my penis? <laughs> <laughs> Please tell. (laughs) (laughs) Truly one of the scarier moments of my life. (laughs) Okay, this is an epic saga, so buckle up, buttercup. (laughs) Um, We were living just young, single, free lads. You know what I mean? Not a care in the world. It was Sean, me, and Jordan. And this is at King Henry. Okay. And these girls we knew... Uh, they were using our washing machine a ton, right? And they was washing their clothes a lot, and I'd always do my laundry in there afterwards, and I'd be pulling out these long-ass hairs, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you laughing, Doc? I already know, dude. Keep going. (laughs) I might have told this story out of order, because that might give it away. Is it long-ass hairs or long-ass hairs? (laughs) (laughs) Uh... If it were the latter, I would be mortified. <laughs> well, you said it was the most terrifying story, so <laughs> that would be terrifying. The grudge poking out the back. <laughs> <laughs> like a my little pony, dude. <laughs> anyway, I worked at a restaurant. I worked grueling hard hours. Like you're on your feet. It's really demanding. So I was there. And during rush hour, if you ever worked in work or food, the 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 idea of taking a break during rush hour is laughable. Like, I'd laugh in your face. Are you kidding? You know what I mean? Kevin, you can attest. Mm -hmm. So it's rush hour in this restaurant, and I get a burning in my loins. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like the only way to describe it. It started kind of small, just like an odd pinch. Mild burn. discomfort. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? So I was doing the dude thing you do, the pinch and roll between your fingers. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, trying yeah. to figure this out, but orders just keep coming in. Ding, 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 ding. I have to make lemonades. I have to make desserts. I have to close checks, do a million things at once. And I'm just going, and as I'm moving around, it's just getting more and more painful. And I can't pinpoint mentally where this pain is. I would just put a hand on my uh, <laughs> belly button and a hand on my upper thigh, and it was somewhere in between there, <laughs> but it was growing, like painful. And I ain't no slut, so I knew I didn't have... Okay, wait, I'm not slut shaming. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> How do I want to wear this? If you slut that out there, I was just joking. That was just jokes. Be your thing, do your thing. Uh, but I knew it wasn't like a, a UTI or anything, because <laughs> whatever. Because <laughs> you weren't having <laughs> sex. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was insanely Cause nobody, cause nobody liked Charles. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. <clears throat> anyway, it's growing, it's growing. To like, I can't think or process anything else. The pain is so bad around my dictal area. <laughs> and finally, there's a break in tickets. It kind of lulls. It's like that 9 o'clock time when people stop coming in. And I turned to the person I was working with and I was like, I got to go to the bathroom and figure out what is going on. <laughs> Run to the bathroom. I have no idea what I'm about to see. Pull down my pants and look at the bidness. <laughs> I, look, I look at all, all the utilities, you know. <laughs> <laughs> all of my shaft skin <laughs> is pulled. Oh, wait. Uh, uh, trigger warning. <laughs> I will be talking about genitalia. <laughs> Fast forward if you want. All of my shaft skin is pulled tight and wrapped. And so it's like this. And wrapped around it is a long ass hair. <laughs> like 20 times. And I look at it and I'm like. <gasps> and by this time, the pain is immense. And I'm not being dramatic. It is really intense. So I was like, holy crap. Grab one of the ass hair, the end of the ass hair, and I pull, and it got tighter. <laughs> and I almost passed out. Straight up eggplant? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm whimpering in the stall. Someone was probably in there listening. I don't care. I was dying. So I start very lightly tugging at my sh other shaft skin to try to, like, pull it out of the knot. And every time it was like a razor against my peen, you know what I'm saying? Until finally it came loose and all came out. And the blood rushed back into the rest of my body, and I almost blacked out. I remember going and like grabbing the stall, the handicap bars. <laughs> and I was like, <sighs> it's like that meme that kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the most painful experiences of my life. I could have lost like a chunk out of my wing. There was like a bite mark in the side of my ding dong. You know what I mean? <laughs> From this hair. I have no time to like sit there and process what's happened. I have to just run back and keep going to work. And I was like, that was it. Almost That's lost my pee-pee. Don't let the women wash their <laughs> clothes in the same clothes. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh. uh, the, I, the only time I can relate to something like that is zipping up my own dingling. Oh! <laughs> I've done that once. Oh! But... Just metal teeth. 
jowls. Taking a nibble. Just, yeah. <laughs> Consumed in the zip. Yeah. That's the only comparable. What happened? Were you just experience. moving too fast? Um, I can't remember. It was in high school. Huh. Yeah. You? Nothing? One time when I was like 17, I was playing Ultimate Frisbee. And it was like a random game that I joined, not planning on playing. Mm. So I was in jeans and wearing a belt. And someone throws the Frisbee and I'm running towards it. It's a little too far, so I dive for it. And I catch it and then land on the ground just like belly flop. And my belt just destroys my junk so hard. Your belt? Yeah. Because it like had gone sideways and I landed on it like this. Oh, just mm. chop. <laughs> I was bruised for like oh. a week, bro. Oh, dude, I got one. I thought you were going to say the Frisbee hit you. Oh, no, dude. I caught just the a, Frisbee. That was a goal, bro. Just a ding-a-ling fling. <laughs> uh, there's been two times I know for sure I have given up my will to live. Where I... <laughs> I fully accepted I was going to die or I wanted death. One of them, we were playing King of the Hill at my aunt's house in the pool. So there was this big floaty. And it was me and my three, my sister and two cousins. And it was like a ferocious game. So it was like we were all fighting who could be on the top of this floaty, right? So you jump up, you grab someone and just chuck them or like push them. Nice. And I am decent in the water. I think we've talked about it before. I'm water tribe. (laughs) <laughs> and I had established a pretty dominant position on the floaty. And I remember like lying on my back and spreading wide, right? Oh, no. And I'm on this floaty and just spinning around f- full eagle spread. <laughs> and my cousin had gotten out of the pool and she jumped. She was jumping on like the diving board, which was like four feet above the water. It was like a mini high dive. <laughs> and I'm like spinning basking in my glory and I spin around and as I see her she's in the air and she has grabbed both of her feet so her knees are like this <laughs> so her feet are behind her and she's just <laughs> anime zips by her and her knee goes right into my balls dude <laughs> I shrilly scream and roll over into the water and float to the bottom of the pool. And I don't remember this. My cousins told me this later. They see me go to the bottom of the pool. Bubbles stop coming up, and I'm not moving. (laughs) So cousin Seth, homie Seth, who gives me all my stories, shout out Seth, dove in, grabbed me, and pulled me out of the pool. And I remember, like, I was not, I was going to die down there. (laughs) I was not trying to get out at all. And he pulled me out. Once again, I did an inventory of the goods, black and blue, for like four or five days. Bro, yeah. I don't know if I can have kids. Mm. (laughs) Peanut butter. (laughs) Peanut butter out of my balls. (laughs) This has been pee-pee talk with 3 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Next segment. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hey, we're among friends here. We're safe. This is a safe zone. <laughs> Anything else, y'all? I was watching a scary movie the other day. And you started watching it today. It's called Head Count. Yeah, you sent that in the group chat. It's kind of it's surprisingly creepy. I'll, I watch like the first 30 minutes. 
I'll give it a cosine. It's been entertaining so far. Uh, I'm right at the part where things are about to go crazy. Hmm. Yeah. He just walked into the barn and found some satanic symbol on the wall. And then my wife walked in and scared the hell out of me, dude. <laughs> I jumped like four feet. <laughs> okay, so right at that part, when I was watching it the other day, I'm sitting up in our living room. And from our living room, there's a stairway that goes down to the front door into the garage. I hear the front door open. And I'm like, I, th- I thought I was the only one here. Hmm. And the front door is supposed to be locked. So I heard the front door open and then nothing. No one comes up the stairs. No one goes to your room. Does the door close? I don't hear the door close. So it just opens and you think it's still open. I think it's still open. But I, like, I'm like, maybe it was our other roommate who came in through the garage door and that's what I heard. And so I sit there for another minute or two and then I smell the air and it smells like rain, like from outside because it was raining. I was like, I didn't smell this before. So I get up. I walk to the stairs and look down, and the front door is open. So I walk down the stairs, and the deadbolt is on. And so I like close the door, undeadbolt it, and deadbolt it again, and go back upstairs. And I'm like, uh, I don't know what's going on. Did you check anywhere else? No, I didn't check anywhere else. Mm. It's freaking in DJ's room. <laughs> oh, actually, I did. I checked your room after that because I was like, maybe Deej came and he was going to leave. Did you clear my history? Yeah, I cleared your history. He's like, did you look at what was up? <laughs> <laughs> but I, right at the exact same part where MJ came walking in on us, I heard the door open when I Whoa, watched it. Whoa, same part of the movie. Same part of the movie. Yo. I was like, this is creepy as hell, bro. MJ and I were watching TV, I think, last night, and the door, our door to our apartment blew right open, <laughs> which has happened before, so it's not the scariest thing, but it's just always... You, you always kind of look at the other person in the room, and you're like, oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, last night was wandy, dude. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Blustery day. <laughs> hmm. Cool. Any other follow-ups? No, I'm good. I just want to say I love all the listeners out there. If you're listening while driving, while you're, I don't know, hiking. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last week, we kind of got a good amount of traction. Oh, let's talk about it. Thanks to a Reddit post. Uh, we just posted on a subreddit called The Truth Is Here. And uh, we introduced our podcast and said, we share scary stories. Any of you have any experiences that you're comfortable sharing, hit us up. That blew up. Our numbers went up. <laughs> yeah, our numbers quadrupled for the next like three days after that. Oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty huge. awesome. Yeah, it's been good. Um, so if you're here from Reddit, welcome. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, should we move on? Let's do it. Uh, let's roll. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. (sighs) I have benefited from therapy in a way that it's allowed me to feel a lot more light. Lightness in my heart, my head, my emotions. If that's something that you're needing, if that's something that's missing, uh, give therapy a try. Give BetterHelp a try. Uh, We want to hook you up um, by getting it off your chest Uh, and it be a little lighter on the wallet. Uh, Go ahead and visit BetterHelp.com slash 3am 
and you can get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3 a.m. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I got a 12. 10? I couldn't really see it. What 11. the? <laughs> 11. Okay, 10, 11, so 12. <laughs> we, uh, that second jingle you heard uh, means it's time to roll our 20-sided die. Highest number tells their story first. So it's me... Then Sean and Charles to end us off. Yeah, yeah. This week's story comes from a friend of mine. Ooh. Who told this to me days ago. Ooh. And I knew immediately that I want to share it. Okay. Yes. I am okay. using aliases. Dang. So tell, um, me who, tell me who it is after, okay? Okay. Wink wink at me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so this comes from a Mormon mission involving Mormon missionaries. The main character of this story, his name is Sam. Should we break down what missions are for any newcomers? Uh, I assume most people have seen Mormon missionaries or heard, and ties. Yeah, heard of the Book of Mormon play or watched South Park. <laughs> um, All of which, valid, you know? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> um, Young Mormon men get called on missions if they want and they leave for two years Mm -hmm. and they're supposed to 100% dedicate themselves to this cause it's to the point where you kind of feel like you're dying yeah old self is dead (laughs) yeah for some new people you might not have heard this yet but sean and i met on the mission so we were both missionaries in the philippines i remember getting to the philippines and actually believing that I would never set foot on American soil ever again. <laughs> Is that when you saw the Philippines? You're like, I'm it's, not making it out of it's here. It's <laughs> when I got to the Philippines, they gave us all our companions. You, if you've seen more missionaries, there's always two of them. So and that's like strict your, rules. You have to be together at all times. Yeah, it's like your roommate. You study together. You teach together. Use um, a toilet at the same. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, you sit I, like I this, know, dude, one no, this like, way, the other way this way. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> I'm God. done. Yeah, scissor shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> We've but, all uh, been there. Come on. Yeah, I realized that when I got my companion, and then they told us which area we'd be working in, and we get to my apartment, and it's hot. People are speaking this language I don't really understand, and I'm just sitting in my room, and I open my, my suitcase at the beginning of these two long years. And I see on top of my suitcase a picture of my family. <laughs> and then homesickness hit me like a brick. Start crying? Dude, it choked me up like a, an ass hair around a penis. <laughs> so that's a mission. <laughs> and this story comes from And sometimes from one of there's those. good parts, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. So uh, my homie, calling him Sam, served in one of the most Beautiful places. I'm honestly so jealous. Uh, the nation vacations. And that is um, Idaho. <laughs> oh, 
Dude, I thought you were, I was like, Bora Bora, Tahiti. I was like, Hawaii? That's real, that's real vain of DJ yeah, to say. I know we have a lot of listeners who aren't Mormon, which is perfectly fine, and we want that. But uh, Prefer, no. no yeah. <laughs> know that for Mormon missionaries, there are certain missions that are kind of coveted. And then there are missions that nobody wants to go to. And it should not be like it that. It shouldn't. It just is what it is. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to spend two years in some place, would you rather be in the cold of Russia or Hawaii? The Philippines. Yeah. <laughs> would you know. rather yeah, go to some beautiful foreign place and have adventure or be in a Napoleon Dynamite movie? Just <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Which is> Sam. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's basically what's happening, but... Uh, one of our friends' sisters got called on a mission and she read it and it, she, whole family's there. It's a huge affair. Everyone's there to support and be so excited with her. Yeah. Quiet as she reads where she's going because you don't know until you open that letter and read. Yeah. And it says, you are called to serve in the Utah St. George mission. <laughs> Silence in the room of 50. And my dumbass friend goes, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone looks at him like, shut the f*** up. <laughs> and I was like, you're going to do so well. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. Okay. Sam, on his mission in Idaho, there are a few different missionaries that are involved in this story. At this point, he's companions with, the name I gave him was Tucker. Feels like a real kind of Tucker kind of guy. Um, before I begin, have you ever been in the dark and felt it? Uh, yeah. You, yeah? What situation? Where were you? I was in a cave, and it was like, the guide's like, everyone turn off their lights. Right. This is complete darkness. And you're like, and then he wow. starts stealing stuff from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In a cave. What about you? Uh, also in a cave. Hmm. In a like, box with a fox. <laughs> um, Sam describes arriving to this area and being in this new apartment as it feeling dark. Ew. Yeah. He thinks he's the only one feeling it at first. He says early on in their companionship arriving in that area, he was experiencing dark things. He said he'd see things in his house, in his room, turn on the lights and they weren't there anymore. And he just felt like this palpable amount of darkness. So after a little bit, he asks his companion, Tucker, he says, have you noticed anything since we like moved into this area? And the companion agrees. He says, yeah, I've felt it too. So as missionaries, they rely on prayer and reading scriptures to try and clear that energy, that darkness out. That does not work. Sam, one night, has a dream that he's in his house, which is all super disorienting when you have a dream of something that's like real and current, getting confused with what's reality and what's not. But he wakes up and he's in his room. And he remembers, in his words, casting something out. Not sure if it was a devil or evil spirit, but something dark that he cast out in his dream. 
He wakes up. This was during lunch. Instead of eating, he just wants to take a nap. And his companion, Tucker, walks in when he wakes up. And Tucker says something that catches him by surprise. Tucker says to Sam, have you casted out anything recently? And Sam is puzzled, just waking up, kind of groggy, but also just how how does he know, you know? Yeah, that's an odd thing to just bring up randomly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> Did you cast anything out earlier? Yeah. <laughs> Sam says to Tucker, uh, I just had a dream that I cast something out. And Tucker says, I had a dream last night, too, that you casted something out. And I just wanted to ask, I guess. Um, after that, things got worse. <laughs> Soon after, they have what's called exchanges in the mission field uh, where you trade companions. It's like the Mormon swingers, if you will. <laughs> but non-selectual, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's very pro-spiritual. <laughs> Spiritual swinging. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Christian key party. <laughs> Sam and Tucker finished their exchanges. At the end of the exchange, they decide to have a little slumber party at the house, hang out. The next day, they'll wake up, play some ball. So there's four missionaries in this apartment they're staying in. And if you walk into the room, there are two beds, feet facing the door, and they're on opposite ends of the room. And in the middle are two mattresses on the floor for Sam and Tucker. So as they are going to sleep, Sam says that he is dozing off. His eyes are closing and opening. And at one point notes that the room gets visually darker. It's already nighttime and the room gets darker for some reason. And out of the darkness materializes a figure who starts walking towards Sam and reaches his hands out. And Sam is lying on the floor watching this thing, just paralyzed. And this thing is walking towards him. Right when it gets about arm's length away from Sam, he screams. Other missionaries, if they weren't awake, they're awake now. Flip on the light. Nothing's there. Sam's freaking out. They give him a blessing. They say a prayer, try to clear the air. Nothing else happens that night. In fact, nothing else happens for the remainder of Sam's companionship with Tucker. Months later, before Sam comes home and finishes his mission, he is talking to one of his uh, favorite missionaries in the field who we'll call Dakota. And they're just talking about things that happened during the mission. And Dakota says to Sam, did I ever tell you my experiences with Tucker? So when I was talking to Sam, or when Sam was telling me this story, I was thinking, this area is crazy. Yeah. It's the area. Yeah, I was thinking it was the area. Apparently, it's Tucker. And he has these stories from different we have these stories from different people to kind of put it together. And it's, it's more than likely Tucker from what, what Sam says. But basically, Dakota says that 
So was Dakota like uh, companions with Tucker Dakota as well? was companions with Tucker before Sam was, Ooh. and this was Dakota's experience. He said that Tucker had really weird episodes. The one that he remembered most is uh, here's a couple. They came home for lunch. Tucker takes a nap. Dakota's making lunch and he's watching Tucker because Tucker starts convulsing in his sleep. Starts shaking, mumbling all these words. So Dakota being worried runs up to him and Tucker wakes up and he's breathing really hard, sweating. He looks at Dakota and he says, I think I just met Satan. Shaitan? Shaitan. <laughs> Dude. What do you say to that? Uh, uh, bye. <laughs> You're grounded. Yeah. Go home. I don't know, man. I don't know. First of all, I, I almost would be angry. Like, are you joking? Like, are you kidding right now? You better not be kidding right now. And if they, yeah, if they convince me that they're not joking, like, I'm I was probably victim shaming, dude. I mean, yeah, what yeah. the hell did you do, bro? <laughs> yeah. You yeah. reading any Latin lately? What's going on? <laughs> um, Dakota doesn't know exactly how to respond to that. So Sick. the rest of the day just plays out cool. without any other events happening. That was one of his experiences. The next experience is the one that terrified me the most listening to the story. Companions, like I said, they study together. A lot of times they pray together too, the beginning and end of each day, um, for whatever reason. Unity. Unity. Dakota and Tucker are saying their companionship prayer. Tucker is the one who's saying it for the both of them. They're kneeling down in their bedroom. And in the middle of the prayer, while Tucker is speaking these words, Dakota feels his entire body seize up. Never had sleep paralysis like awake. His whole body seizes up and he cannot move. And after a few moments of that, he says that he felt his body start lifting up off the ground from his knees to his feet involuntarily. Soon after that, his body gets flown head first into his bed. If he dived into his bed, but that too was also involuntary. So after being thrown into his own bed, he finally manages to get something out and he screams in terror. Doesn't know what's going on. Tucker starts screaming too. Uh, after about a minute, things start to calm down. He has control of his, his body again. They continue to pray. And nothing else happens. But Sam and Dakota are talking about Tucker, about all these weird things for them connecting these dots, saying that, you know, every time we were with him, weird things happen. It just didn't feel good mm-hmm. being around, around Tucker. Dakota apparently has PTSD from that experience and is still seeing a therapist. From all the little things that have happened, those are uh, those are the only two stories that I got, um, but apparently it affected him enough to see a therapist regularly long after his mission. 
Well, Dang. good on him for getting help. Yeah. No, I agree. That's gnarly, though. That's. But it does tell you it's, it was like it left a big enough impression. Yeah. And that's just the two stories that we know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm not too sure. I, I remember asking Sam, I was like, do you know, like, any, do you have any dirt on, on Tucker, like his family or his history or anything? And he said that he was just a normal kid from Washington. We can't blame Tucker because Tucker could be a victim too. Could be a victim. Could be the devil, could be the victim. I don't know. <laughs> we be, don't know. Yeah. Um, Shaitan. <laughs> um, he did have a reputation in the in the mission for being a, a weird missionary, a weird kid. Huh. Everybody was saying things about him, but uh, Sam said he got along with him. That makes me almost want to defend him more. Hmm. I don't know. It's just like the weird yeah. kid. They're not always free. It's not their freaking. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes, when there becomes an easy, easy target, it's way easy for everyone to like. Yeah. Make fun of that kid. Yeah. Not me. You're right. I don't know. You're right. What I'm saying is I'm just, I hope it's not him. You're giving him the benefit of the doubt. Trying to. Yeah. Regardless of all the doubts going throughout the mission about him. You're right. Yeah. F- Tucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, that was it for, for Tucker. But Sam has some really good friends on the mission that had another experience. Uh, so this is unrelated to Tucker, but uh, still the same mission. They all know each other. Uh, so he threw this into the mix as well. So separate companionship in a different area. They are going to bed for the night before they fall asleep. This companionship lives in a two-bedroom house. And sounds like when you walk in, it's like the living room and the kitchen, dining room. And then there's three doors. One to a small room, one to their bedroom. And then next to the small room is the bathroom. So they go to sleep or they go to bed, right before they fall to sleep, they hear something walk into their house. They hear footsteps, and they know that they lock the doors, but they lie there still and listen. They said that this, these footsteps were pacing across their bedroom door, so they just hear back and forth, back and forth. Ew. This goes on for quite some time. Obviously, they can't and don't want to go to sleep Mm. with this thing outside their door. Yeah. But at one point, the footsteps stop. Like a quiet or at the hard part where it was close? The footsteps stop outside their door. Their door's closed. Their bedroom door's closed. And they watch as... A shadow comes through the door and walks to the walks across the room and starts speaking to them. Oh. <laughs> and speaks in a language that they cannot understand. So this is one part that kind of makes me mad because it's not what I would do. But they leave the room and go to the other room. <laughs> Whereas I would just leave the house. <laughs> no? Well, you got to like save the other homies. Save the other homies. It's just, just you two. Just the two of them. Oh, they that just was an a... empty bedroom? Yeah. Yep. My bad. No, no, you're good. No, I agree with you. <laughs> uh, 
I'm not. Down I know with it's that. the middle of the night, but it's like if you see a shadow walk through your door, I'm not trying to be in the same. Start yeah, speaking yeah. something. You don't. <laughs> Como estas? Uh, <laughs> you don't just go to the next bedroom. Yeah, I'm not like, trying to be in the same house as this thing. No, in general, but um, <laughs> they both get up, walk. It doesn't follow, but they go into the the other room in their house. They close the door. They sit there, quiet, they're praying, and they hear as this thing walks slowly. They can hear it come out of their bedroom and into the common area outside of that bedroom or that other room door. And it does the same thing, pace back and forth. They don't know what to do, so they wait it out. And once again, the pacing stops, and at that point, they decide to open the door. <laughs> they creak it open. They peek their heads out and they can see that this thing has stopped by their bedroom door and is just standing there. Here's where it gets more infuriating for me. They walk past this thing and go back into their bedroom. Oh my gosh. And serious? lock the door. Well, the door is not holding it. It went through <laughs> the door yeah. last time. We've established the door don't work. They go into their room, lock the door, they get on their knees, they start praying. And they had no further incident for that night. I don't know if those prayers worked. God's like, I gave you feet so you could run. <laughs> <laughs> you have all the tools. <laughs> I sent you three boats, you yeah. little dummy. What was yeah. that story? Oh, yeah. It's like the pastor on the house in the, fl the, in the flood, flood gets higher yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and a helicopter comes and he's like no God will save me yeah. and then he dies go to heaven God's like I gave you a boat I gave you a ship I gave you a helicopter yeah no uh, nothing else happens that night that was Sam's experience in the Idaho mission Dude, who, knew, who knew it was popping in Idaho yeah, like that <laughs> on the spook level so much activity yeah um, it's like we ran out of our potatoes would be like the scariest story to yeah. in my mind. <laughs> That's what I, yeah, I would have yeah. Potato that. famine. Yeah. <laughs> there was no more food. Yeah. Um, the story of where they were praying, Dakota, and his body seizes up and feels him stand up. Like Ugh. he stands up, but not on his own accord. Mm -hmm. That and also walking past this thing in your house. That's ballsy, bro. Yeah. yeah. I don't like, even know what would hey, be going through your me. head. Hey, don't mind me. I'm like going to go to bed. You do your thing, right? <sighs> it was probably like, it's funny when you talk about scary stories, in a way they have to be so grandiose to be scary to us right now. But if you're alone, you're in that situation, a noise can like cripple you. Do you know what I'm saying? So to put yourself in that situation, to see a shadow in your hallway to feel its darkness like pulsing through your body and then have to walk by it was probably the scariest moment in their entire life. Even before this, like a lot of times people have shadows in their story and yeah, that is scary, but they had this thing speak to them too. Oh, God. Like they oh, weren't yeah. just going off of what they saw, like playing it off as a dream, but they like heard. Even if it wasn't a shadow, the moment they're listening in the bedroom and the pacing, it's like missionaries move around so much. They spend their whole day talking to strangers and you kind of make a little network in that town, right? And let, let's be honest, you're either talking to like people who really want to hear the word or crazy people a lot of time who will let you in their house, right? And all these crazy people 
a lot of them know where the missionaries live. So it's like you have no idea who knows where you live. And just hearing someone walking in your living room at night is like the scariest thing that could ever happen. Yeah. Sister missionaries in our mission, there's a handful of stories of them getting physically assaulted. Being followed home. Being followed home, peeping toms. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very common, especially in, I guess, in a third world country. They had to move our sister missionaries all the time. Yeah, because it that's was like what they did. it got dangerous for them to be there. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you really are. You're out in the street talking to every person, and you're either getting like the best people or the craziest people. So I don't know. Yep. I'm not trying to be rude, but like yeah. mental illness isn't funny. It's, I'm not making fun of it. I understand people are going through their things, but it's like when you're out there talking to hundreds of strangers a day, you're going to find some interesting and not so savory characters. Well, I think the moral of the story is if there is a shadow in your house trying to talk to you and walking through doors and shit, leave. <laughs> that's, that's an option. Don't forget that option. <laughs> or turn on the light so there's no shadow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, possible. Get wrecked, right, shadow. You. <laughs> <laughs> What's the uh, Spanish word for damn it? <laughs> Dameto. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> oh, that's me tonight. Oof. Gracias. <laughs> Thank you, Idaho. Too when you when you were like the ghost was saying any word or speaking a language they couldn't understand, I was like, it could be any language other than English. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could be pigeon. Hawaiian pigeon. Yeah. Oh bro, how you like <laughs> wanna grind, brother. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> It's empty, bro. <laughs> that sadness. <laughs> Thanks for those. Yeah, thank you. Shout out Sam. Shout out Sam. Or whatever you're really Sammy is. boy. Not <laughs> Tucker. Yeah. Shout out Dakota. Tucker, Tucker, I hope you got help, man. Yeah, for real. For real. Uh, that was. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. That's like your dad's soy sauce, bro. Yeah. <laughs> it's the same it's, color. It's browns. Yeah. <laughs> It has an E. <laughs> Sam? <laughs> yeah. No. I remember he was like, how do you spell uh, Daryl's Daryl's name? There's a boy in our ward, ward uh, Daryl. And he's like, uh, T-A-R-O. <laughs> Daryl. <laughs> you freaking illiterate. <laughs> Who's... Way more successful in life than I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Hurt. <laughs> Out. Thank you. Thank Wait, you. Did you guys not try to talk to that shadow thing? Um, no, Kevin, you psycho. <laughs> would what? you guys not try to give him a hug? If it's talking to you, why would you not talk back? I would <laughs> myself. I would talk out of my ass with fecal matter. <laughs> <laughs> And that would propel me out of the room. <laughs> Dude, no, I'm not trying to talk to that. I'm not telling you, psycho. You're unwelcome in this house. <laughs> when, what you doing? Back. When we were talking about like how, uh, like, Ugh, what's his face met Satan? That's so crazy and scary. In my head, I was like, <laughs> Kevin met Satan too in a dream. <laughs> yeah, and he talked to me, but I couldn't talk back because I was paralyzed with fear. No, I mean, it's but, ew, gross. Uh, <laughs> all right guys i got some stories for you too my first story comes from june 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 2x classic filipino name this comes from the philippines oh 
Ooh. It's the Filipino equivalent of John. Yeah. <laughs> so Jun Jun and his family live in a little like housing community. I, I kind of get this feeling that it was gated or something like that because all of the houses are kind of similar, he says. Barangay. Barangay. It's kind of like Jun Jun. Little community. Um, he says all the houses are kind of s- similar and they're really spacious and cheap. So he and his family lived there for a good six, seven years. But out of the 10 homes that were in this community, the last home on their road had kind of a uh, reputation mm. that its resident would not live there for any longer than a year. Mm. So like last house on the... Last house on the right, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> So throughout the time that he and his family lived there, they had seen families come and go or couples come and go, but no one stayed for very long. So there was this one family that moved in, and then for reasons they they really didn't know, they ended up moving out, and this home remained vacant for a good six months or so. And during this time, strange things started happening at Junjun's house. And their house was right next to this 10th house. So it was the ninth house on the right. (laughs) Um, He says one night he was asleep in his room and he kind of says his bed is on the back wall in his room and he leaves his door open a crack so that the light from the hallway can light up his altar that he has in his room because they're Catholic and they have those like altars throughout the house. But because of the door being cracked open, he could also see out into the hallway a little to where he could see his mom's bedroom door and his sister's bedroom door. He says one night he woke up and he was kind of in between this awake and asleep and he Mm. couldn't move. And he's kind of looking around trying to figure out what to do and he sees a shadow. And the shadow comes from the hallway And he notices it as what looks like to be someone wearing a black dress and veil walk into his mom's room from inside the hallway or outside the hallway. Now, he tells his mom the next morning, and she's a very superstitious person, kind of freaking out a little bit. Would you say that's pretty common in the Philippines? A hundred percent. Okay. I feel like very superstitious culture. Hmm. Um, And not... Everyone, but it's very prevalent. Um, They kind of do some stuff to, you know, clear the air in the home, shake it off. Holy water. Holy water, stuff like that, short of calling a priest. So nothing happens for another few days. One night again, Junjun wakes up in the middle of the night, and he can't move. And from the hallway, he sees the same dark figure come into his room and go over into the corner and get in a crouching position. (laughs) That's menacing. (laughs) And he can't move. He's like trying to summon up anything so that he can get out of whatever it is that he's in, the sleep paralysis. And eventually he does, but he doesn't want to like let whatever it is know. So he sits there for a second and then springs out of bed, runs to to his light switch and flips it on and there's nothing in the corner. Hmm. He tells his mom again the next day, and she's like, oh, no, we're getting the priest this time. Bring in the big guns. So 
Dude, that's racing. That thing to your light switch. Ballsy. Is a... That feeling of it behind you. Wild visual. Think of Hereditary Win. I bet it was like right there. The mom is chasing him. And there's a couple parts where she's like... Right on, on it, him. yeah. yeah. Or like the Lights Out movie, where mm. anytime the dark is there, like it's there. Yeah, bro. Yeah, no, that would be terrifying. But it seems like kind of a best thing, you know. Just don't let it know that you can move yet, and then that was spring a good plan. into action. Yeah, that was a good plan. June, mm. June, smart, smart. So, the mom invites a priest. It's Philippines, so they also invite a bunch of friends over. They're gonna have a party afterwards. Yep. They got some ponce. They got some lumpia. Mm. You know, probably some banana ketchup, spaghetti, Balut. all of the good stuff. So they do the thing Dog. first. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Assault. Dog. Assault. Yep. Wasn't it Iro? Assault is Tagalog. Oh, Iro is yeah, Cebuano. I, I don't know any Tagalog. I'm dumb. Um, they do the thing. Sprinkle holy water on the house or whatever it is that they do, right? They bless the house. All of, the, all, all of that. And then they have their party out in the backyard with, uh, you know, friends, family, food. I kind of like that. Like, get rid of the bad vibes, immediately bring in good, good vibes. Yep. Now, one of the friends of the family is just kind of wandering around, exploring. And they kind of peek into the kitchen window of this 10th house, the one that supposedly got the reputation. And then kind of goes back to the mom and is like, who's that kid? Like in the house. And she's like, What kid? That house is, no one's lived there for six months. The door's locked. He's like, No, there was a kid that was like playing in the sink. Like it was a little kid. And she's like, No, no, you're crazy. Maybe, and then they think like maybe it went back to this other house. But nothing happens for two weeks. Until. Until June June's asleep, one goes to sleep one night fully expecting nothing to happen because they blessed the house. Now. And had yummy food. And had yummy food. He wakes up in the middle of the night and he can't move. Once again, the sleep paralysis has taken hold. And he's scanning the room with his eyes, looking to see if he can see anything. And he sees a shadow fall upon the door that's cracked open. And this, whatever it is, come into his room up to the foot of his bed this time. And as he's looking at it, he can't make out anything clearly because it's veiled and it's wearing black. And then it grabs him by the ankles and starts to drag him off of the bed. And he's trying to move. He can't do anything. As he's being dragged, eventually he snaps out of it and grabs onto the headboard. And he starts pulling himself back towards the front of his bed and kicking at what's holding him. He kind of looks down and notices that he's looking at his own body. And then he kicks again, whatever it is, let's go, and he wakes up back in bed. Another week later, the landlord tells them that they have to be out in 30 days. He's going to tear the houses down and build up a uh, shopping mall. So they never got any closure. But he was still alive to give this story, so we're good. Jeez. Yikes. At the end there, it sounds like some like soul snatching, dude. Dude, that part, like the very end part kind of creeps me out. Like 
him seeing himself. himself. I've never heard of anyone being forcibly removed from their spirit. It usually is like they were astral planing. And that's when the exchange happens. Right. Well, and maybe he had been, but hadn't been out of his bed. Mm. Like he was still just laying there, astral planing. And she grabbed the spirit. I don't know. Yikes. Either way, that's a that's a it's a big nope for me. Dude, astral planing, dream tripping, two things I won't do. Seems like a bad idea. Yeah, not down. We have a couple friends who talk about astral planing somewhat regularly. I actually have one more. What? <laughs> <laughs> so this story comes from at El Tatsira, and I've named him uh, Mike. And his friend, Dave. This is about Mike and Dave. Thank you. Now, Mike lives in a house that's kind of out on the edge of this town and in this densely forested area outside on the outskirts of town. Now, uh, he says that he didn't really live in an area where there were any predators that he was afraid of. Like there are bobcats, black bears, Uh, coyotes, but generally those would stay away from people unless they're provoked or something like that. And his friend Dave lives a couple houses down. They'd been friends all growing up. Now, one of Mike's favorite things to do, kind of to decompress, is he'll go out into his backyard, sit on the swing set, and just swing. Like, we're not even swing there, just sit there and listen to music for... 20, 25 minutes to decompress for the day, stuff like that. Now, he says that one day he heads out to the backyard. He's going to listen to some music. And it sounds like he has to go out the front door and around. Mm-hmm. As he walks out this front door, he gets this uneasy feeling. Now, have you guys ever had like that feeling where you just feel like you're being watched? just an uneasy feeling. Mm. I can remember a couple times I feel like like when we were down in Hobble Creek Canyon where you two, mm-hmm. I mean, we've already told that story before, mm-hmm. but it's kind of that feeling. It always comes like, it's like a rushing feeling. Like it comes pretty suddenly. And a hyper-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. I usually get it at night when all the lights are on in the inside and my windows are open. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Ugh, I got to close all these blinds. No. Yeah. So he gets this uneasy feeling that something is watching him. Now, he says also that he likes to, he's kind of the kind of person to uh, logically think through things. And at this point, he's like, okay, this is, I'm not too concerned with this feeling. I'm at home. So he decides to continue into his backyard Hmm. with, you know, he's going to go sit down on the swing and listen to music. So he keeps walking around the house, and he says with every step that he takes, this feeling grips him a little bit harder, like something is watching him, and he can't explain it. As he's walking towards the swing, he starts to walk slower till he's about 10 feet away from the swing, and he's looking around in these woods, scanning the tree line to see if there's anything there. And like you said, he tries to logically think through these things. And so he doesn't feel like there's any animals he's afraid of. And he says he's a big athletic guy. So he's not really afraid of any people. 
out there either. Like if someone were to chase him, he feels like he could run away from 95% of people. Hmm. So he's not too concerned. Hmm. So because of that, he goes and sits down on the swing. Now, usually what he does is he'll sit down on the swing facing the house with his back towards the woods because when he was younger, his friend Dave would sneak up on him from from the house house side. And so he just got in the habit of sitting towards the house. So he's sitting there and he starts listening to music. He has his headphones in and he says, normally he'll just put his headphones in, listen to 20, 25 songs, chill out and be done, go back home or go inside. And he doesn't get through one song. He stops a minute in, pauses it, and just listens. And he doesn't hear anything. Starts the music again. Once you do that once, it's like game over. Yeah, you're just going to keep doing it. Throw it in your head. It's like the idea is growing. Mm-hmm. It's like when you race to wash your hair super fast. <laughs> you can open your eyes again in the shower. <laughs> <laughs> he presses play, listen, continues to listen to music. But this uneasy feeling will not go away. So he stops and plays this music a couple more times and just listens to the woods. He doesn't want to like make any sudden actions, though, just in case. So he's just sitting there listening. And he says that he'd always heard the terms bone chilling or scared, um, like frozen scared. And he had never related to those before. He thought they were just metaphors. But at this point, the hairs were rising on the back of his neck, and he couldn't move himself. He was so terrified. And at this very moment, it occurred to him that he was prey. That was the feeling he was getting, that there was something preying on him. And being hunted. He's being hunted. That's that fight, flight, or freeze. That fight, flight, or freeze. And this feeling becomes so powerful that He can't take it anymore. He grabs his headphones and sprints to the house. He goes around the front door, locks the front door, locks the back door, closes all the windows, locks them, and closes the blinds. He says he sits down on the couch in his living room, surrounding himself with melee weapons. (laughs) Smart man. And the whole night, he couldn't sleep. No TV, no books, no nothing. He's just sitting there thinking and listening. And when finally the morning comes, he looks outside. There's nothing there. But then he sees his friend Dave over at his house working on his car or something like that. So he heads over to his friend Dave's house and he says, hey, Dave, I got to tell you what happened. And so he starts to tell Dave that he tried to go and listen to music like he always does. And he had this terrible feeling like someone was watching him. And Dave says, hold on, come with me. And so he takes him inside, and Dave's sister is inside. And Dave says to his sister, hey, do you remember what I told you last night, why I didn't go running? And Mike says that his friend Dave ran every day. Like he could count on maybe one hand the times that he didn't run in the last 10 years. And so Dave's sister responds. She says, yeah, you said like, you felt like you were being watched or something? And he's like, yeah. So I went out for my run, got 10 feet out front door, and just got this terrible feeling that something was watching me. And I started to run, got down to the end of the driveway, and this feeling was so strong I decided to not go running. And so I came back. Now, everyone that they tell this to just 
shakes it off. They don't believe him. But to this day, Mike, when he's out there listening to music now, he'll sit facing the woods because he doesn't know what's out there, and he'll bring a baseball bat with him as well. <laughs> but this is one of those times where they both survived. He's dedicated to his decompression, dude. Bro. <laughs> I just find other ways to decompress indoors. <laughs> for real. That's it for Mike and Dave. Hmm. Uh, the part where he's he starts his run, that has to be such a crazy feeling to run 20 yards outside your front door. It's your routine. Your mind's almost off. Yeah. yeah. I'm yeah. doing the thing I do Clock every work. day. Yeah. And then something disrupts it enough to be like, no, I will not be running today. Yeah. And pull a 180 and go right back home. Yeah. yeah. And I liked the I liked this story too because it's almost like you don't you still don't know what it is. Like legitimately it's the no scariest closure. thing is the fear that they both experienced. And the like the part that got me too is like he felt like he was being preyed on. Like he was being hunted. And I was like, fuck that dude. Dude, I'd love uh I like to think that in, I guess, life after this one, if there is one, we can watch these things play out. <laughs> like oh, a YouTube video. Yeah. yeah. Just choose like different parts what of was our life and around that corner. And like different views. Why was I afraid? Yeah. yeah. And see like something chasing you or nothing happening at all. And you maybe psyched yourself out. And it might like be a little disturbing if you had like a tab in your file that said close calls. Oh. <laughs> and you like clicked on it and it was just like you almost died 300 times, times. yeah <laughs> when you took that extra large bite of that hot dog from costco yeah. <laughs> almost choked but your molar caught it in the right you know <laughs> that would be wild oh yeah in an alternate universe <laughs> yeah no one of the topics that comes up a lot and i think deal like a lot of people experience it this one might be the most widely experienced paranormal phenomenon i would say at least in my experience but it came up recently i think one of the someone on ig messaged us and said you guys should talk about shadow people have you guys ever heard that the same as like these dark figures Uh, everyone there's so many versions of a shadow person yeah Yeah. hat man there are there are a lot of versions that has very various iterations and they all kind of fall under this umbrella of shadow people Mm -hmm. so sleep paralysis when you see the dark thing kevin right now sleeping on his bed yeah Uh, not just kidding (laughs) with the face of stannis baratheon (laughs) (laughs) uh but no uh two of your stories today had shadow people yours had a shadow person potentially another shadow person dude (laughs) they don't know yeah true um but i'll just read what it says online real quick so it says a number of religions legends belief systems describe shadowy spiritual beings or supernatural entities such as shades of the underworld and various shadowy creatures have long been a staple of folklore and ghost stories shades of the underworld (laughs) dude i like that I talked about um, the Hoska Castle once, Mm -hmm. and people witnessed shadowy creatures coming Coming out of the hole. The castle was built to keep those things in. I've personally experienced shadow people. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Not fun, man. And whether it is simply your mind playing tricks on you or something we just don't scientifically understand or can't explain at the moment Mm -hmm. doesn't negate the fact that it is terrifying. And... It's a widely experienced experience 
that many of us experience. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like enough people, mm-hmm. like we get messages all the time like, I thought I was the only one who saw Hat Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I see dark figures when I have I sleep paralysis. People. It's mm-hmm. weird. It's weird. That's all I'm saying, man. It's weird. There's just too many similar experiences for there not to be something there. So it says, sign, possible scientific explanations. Several physiological and psychological conditions can account for reported experiences of shadowy shapes seeming alive. A sleep paralysis sufferer may perceive a shadowy or indistinct shape approaching them when they lie awake, paralyzed, and become increasingly alarmed. A person experiencing heightened emotions, such as, that's a weird way to put it, such as while walking alone on a dark night, may incorrectly perceive a patch of shadow as an attacker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> many methamphetamine addicts. <laughs> okay, we'll see shadowy S- people. Skip that one. <laughs> you know, okay, we, we actually laugh about that, but we've talked about it before where if you if you think paranormal exists on a realm mm-hmm. or a frequency, I kind of believe that drugs might open you to that frequency more. Tap you into it. Could so be. You, you could be like, ha-ha, meth head. Or they are straight up just like in the realm where that's like, you know what I'm saying? Their intent is like directed at the shadow realm, whatever that it may be. Yeah. <laughs> We've talked about that uh, with mental health too. Yeah. Schizophrenia, um, even depression and anxiety. Like there's a lot of energy to go around that's not really positive a lot of times. So you're stuck with this kind of atmosphere I feel like it just creates, can create like an environment to breed mm-hmm. uh, these kind of things. Mm. So saying like, oh, that person's crazy, but it's like that person, It, I don't think it's impossible to say that that person might actually be. Oh, you know? yeah. I agree. Yeah. Huh. So I don't know. I just thought about that while you guys, because you guys had brought up different elements of that. And I recently saw an IG message dealing with that. Yeah. Hmm. Thanks, Sean. Yeah, thank you, man. Yep. All right, I'm going to be talking about relationships. Well, I'm going to leave then. <laughs> please, please don't chime in. Not <laughs> Actually, if you need bad relationship <laughs> yeah. like ideas to how to ruin it, let me know. I got you. This is the new direction of the podcast. <laughs> Welcome. All right, so the first story I'm going to talk about, I actually heard on another podcast that I want to shout out and acknowledge our respect for, and that's Radio Rental. So they do something very similar to us. If you're into scary stories, go give them a listen. Theirs is a little different. It's dramatized. There's skits that are scripted out and stuff. Hmm. Nonetheless, a lot of their stories, I would say most of them, quality, right? So I was listening to this story and immediately wanted to share it for a specific reason. This story happened to Taylor. She's 17. Recently graduated high school. Life is open. So many possibilities. And she decides she's going to go be a counselor at a a Christian summer camp that's up in the mountains that she went to her whole life. So she grew up going to this Christian camp. She said it was like, you know, just an awesome good time to get away. And uh, it's about an hour away from Fresno. Spooky. So when I heard that, I grew up in Visalia, which is 45 minutes from Fresno. I was like, yo, I think I've probably been to this camp. I've been to a ton of camps, and she describes a little bit about where it is and stuff. I've, I've been to like four or five camps up there, you know? Yeah. So super fun. 
this camp hires a ton of like young adults. It's a good vibe. She's excited to go do this. Uh, several days before the camp opens up to the kids, all the counselors get to go up there and kind of mingle, get to know each other. They do all the, the lame like icebreaker games, <laughs> stuff like that. This camp is up in the mountains. There's wildlife. There's bobcats. There's bears. She talks about how they're never allowed to call them bobcats or bears because they don't want to scare the kids. So they call them bobs. Like, oh, I saw Bob on a trail. And then all the counselors know, like, get the kids away from that trail. Yeah. And if they see a bear, they call it Ted. Like, oh, Ted's on Ted's mm. on the high trail. Everyone stay away from cabin eight, you know. Yeah. So anyway, they're all just getting into their roles. They're getting to meet each other. And during this time of getting to meet each other, she meets this guy. And this guy's name is Kyle. Kyle's tall. He's like 6'3", handsome, blue eyes, wavy hair, just good-looking dude. And Kyle is charismatic. He has this way where, like, people open up to him. Everyone opens up to him. He just has this way of disarming you, and you want to share with him. And A real Ted Bundy kind of guy. <laughs> A different kind of Ted, you know what I'm saying? Um. So, like, all the girls in the camp seem to just kind of adore this guy. And he had this way of getting things done for him that he never asked for. So sometimes some of the counselor shifts are, like, during lunch. And people, if they were working in the cafeteria or in the canteen, they uh, would, like, save him a meal, almost so unconsciously, like, be looking out for Kyle. Or he'd come talk to him and he'd be like, hey, like, you're going to bring me lunch today, right? Or, you know what I mean? And people just would. Hmm. So as he's doing this, though, our main character, Taylor, in this story, she, at first, she's pretty enamored by him, pretty intrigued by him, but she starts noticing odd things about him. For one, he had this smile. He'd smile wide, smile bright. She said she didn't know what it was at first, but she realized it didn't quite reach his eyes. Every time he smiled, it never really reached his eyes. Other things she started noticing... Kyle constantly tried to get people alone. So if someone was like, ah, oh, I need to go like get the canoes or I need to go up to the pharmacy or the medic cabin, he'd be like, oh, I'll go with you. And if anyone else was like, oh, I'll come too. He's like, all right, no worries. You guys got it. And he did that a lot. He'd be like, you need help with that? I'll come help. And as soon as someone else joined in, he was like, ah, oh, I'm good. I'll, you guys handle it. She wrote it off. She was awkward. Maybe he's awkward, whatever until people in the camp, the counselors, started fighting. It started getting more and more clicky. This group of friends was fighting with this group of friends. This person said this about this. And she kind of realized Kyle would go in, and wherever he went, mayhem would happen. Like, girl counselors were sharing things they've never shared with anyone, like maybe being taken advantage of in the past. And immediately everyone in the camp would know somehow. So mayhem. Just chaos followed. Everywhere where Kyle went, chaos followed. So one night, she had like a late job, Taylor, and she has to walk all the way back up to her cabin, which is an upper camp. That's where a lot of the younger kids stay. And it's pretty restricted. You have to be one of the counselors to be up there. Mm -hmm. As she's walking, by this time she has these weird feelings with Kyle. As she's walking, she passes a group of, group of three boys and Kyle's in them. And it's his two like closest friends. He sees her walking, and keep in mind, it's late at night. It's pitch black outside. 
And Taylor talks about her relationship in the dark. She's a very scared person. If anything startles her, her reaction is to immediately fall to the ground. Like no, no defense at all. Just fall down. Furthermore, the path she has to walk back to her cabin, not an hour ago they had reported a bobcat was on that path. So she's terrified. And this is going through her body, this is going through her mind as she passes the three guys. And out of the little group of three, Kyle runs up to her. Hey, where are you headed? She's like, oh, I'm just headed back to my cabin. I really want to sleep. Trying not to talk to him and moving fast. No worry, I'll walk you up there. And she says, no, it's okay, it's okay. You don't have to do that. No, really, I will. And she kind of doesn't know how to say no, really. And he just starts walking with her. So they start walking up this path alone. And she immediately is like, hey, you're really not supposed to. Like, it's restricted. Counselors can't go up there. No, it's fine. Well, I don't, I don't want you to get in trouble. It's cool. Well, I don't really want to get in trouble. Come on, you won't get in trouble. He's like, I think my boss is up there. You know, things could go wrong. No, really, it's fine. And he's really persistent. She doesn't know what to do. So they keep walking. And he's doing this thing where he keeps slowing down to where he's not by her, he's almost behind her. And this fear and dread is mounting inside of her. She'll slow down, he'll slow down. Can't keep him by her. When all of a sudden, one of the three friends, the other boys, runs up, says, hey, I'll walk with you guys. And Kyle says, oh, all right, you guys got it. I'll see you later. Taylor said, I think that that friend, he was kind of aware of what Kyle was and he knew Kyle was scaring her, so he wanted to help out. She got back. Back to her cabin. Close one. Yep. And close call. Who knows what happened, right? True. All right. Camp is coming to a close. A couple weeks, maybe a month later after that incident. She's made it a point. She hasn't verbally said anything, but she's made it a point where she's not interacting with Kyle. Bad vibes. Something is wrong. After countless nights of having the same food over and over, the counselors are pretty disgusted by like the sound of camp food. (laughs) So they all decide, all right, guys, after shift on Friday, we're going down to Fresno and we're going to get some good food. Hell yeah. So after everyone gets off, let's all meet. And let's we'll take off to Fresno. Super excited. How the camp works, they want to stay safe. So there's a sign-in and sign-out sheet. Big, thick stack of papers. Goes back years. If you're going to go, a lot, of, a lot of the people go hiking in Yosemite. So they sign out when you are leaving and where you're going. Just in case someone doesn't come back, they know your last location, right? A lot of people go home for the weekends. It's just to stay safe. Yeah. So Taylor is one of the last people off that night. She said she got off around 10.30 p.m., 11-ish. She already feels like she's holding everyone back, so she sprints down. She runs the sign-up sheet. There's a couple people around. She waits her turn. She signs her name at the bottom of the paper and then goes down to the parking lot where they're already all deciding who will ride with who. And since she's late, she's showing up. Most people have paired off. In fact, almost all people have paired off. Her friends are in this car full, dang it. That car full, dang it. She looks over, and Kyle is sitting by his pickup. No one's with him. And he goes, hey, come with me. She's like, no, um, 
And she basically just starts walking around being like, hey, do you guys have any room? Do you guys have any room? Kyle says, hey, come with me. And he walks up to her. And she tried hard, and there's no other room. And he goes, why don't you come with me? And he's like smiling. And she goes, no, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty beat. I'm tired. I don't feel that well. I think I'm just going to stay. And he goes, no, like you should come. Like come with us with this persistent way. And she says, no, nah, I'm, I'm calling it a night. Really, I'm, I'm not going to go. She said that when she said that, his whole face changed. And the way it changed, she said, I was disgusted that I ever found him attractive. He became terrifying, angry. And so he starts saying things like, fine, like, we, like no one even wants you. Everyone thinks you're a piece of shit, you know, just goes off on her. He's basically trying to attack her and hurt her. And she said, it worked. I started bawling. And one of her other close friends runs over, grabs her, and is, like, consoling her and being like, what the heck is happening? And she, she goes, you know, Kyle just – and a guy comes over and, like, hey, dude, it's cool. Like, she doesn't have to come. What are you doing, man? And he's just like, nah, and, like, leaves, right? As the friend's like, are you okay? Are you going to come? She's like, no. And Taylor looks in her friend's eyes and goes, do not ride with Kyle. Don't ride with him. Something's wrong. Friend says, okay, yeah, for sure. Gets in the car, they all take off, and she's like, huh. So she runs over back up to the sign-up sheet. She's got to sign back in. Yeah, because otherwise they'll look for her. So she goes to the sign-up sheet, picks up the stack of papers, starts looking through them, goes to the page, flips to where she, she thought she had signed her name and looks at it, can't see her name, flips it, looks over. She sees her friend's names, a list of them, not on that page, flips it. It's probably on that one page. I missed it to the point where she's going through every name. Her name is not on the sign-up list. And she distinctly remembers Kyle being one of the last people in that room. And she says, I believe Kyle erased my name from that list before we had our argument. Ew. Gross. She says, I've never said this out loud before. I believe if I would have went with him that night, I would be dead. And she, like, fully believes that. Well, yeah. Like, there's no other explanation for why her name was no longer in the manifest. She fully believes Kyle would have killed her. It's like one of those moments where, like, it'd be crazy to see what would have happened. But in her case, she's glad she didn't see what would happen. Yeah. She kind of ends it on some words of wisdom and just said, it's okay to be rude. It's okay to say no. It's okay to hurt feelings. If you don't feel safe, do it. It could be a matter of life and death. Yeah. Doesn't matter if someone thinks you're a bitch or whatever. Your life is worth more than that. Yeah. And that's that story. Hmm. If you liked it, go listen to it because <laughs> she tells it way better. I just wanted to retell it because it was pretty terrifying to me. Bro, it's kind of terrifying how people have described others as changing like their face. Like I've never seen anything like that before. And so imagining that is just weird and like creepy like to have that happen right in front of you like that. Mm -hmm. It's weird that you brought up Bundy because we know someone who almost became his victim and they described his change. Mm -hmm. He was like super charismatic. So, I don't know, just so engaging. And when he was in the car, they were on their way up Provo Canyon. Mm, and she said eat. something changed in the car and he was a different person and it was terrifying. 
and she, it got to the point where she had to open the door and jump out a moving car. But yeah. Like hmm. the closest thing that I can even come to comparison is how you have like athletes who like go to this level where they're like game mode huh. and you can see it on their face. They're locked in. They're locked in. That's the closest thing I can imagine to it, but not not on that level. It's like turning off humanity almost. Almost, yeah. Huh. It's just like you go to this place where you've become a robot huh. and you're going to do this thing whether or not. Another factor, dude, if you're ugly, good riddance. <laughs> the, the odds are stacked against you, dude. Um, if you're good looking, charisma is like naturally gifted to you. Like it's, it's easier to believe that that person just because they're physically attractive to you. What's the show we were watching on Netflix? A hundred people. Oh, uh, hundred human, 100 humans, 100 humans. And they do a bunch of different social experiments with these 100 mu- humans over the course of a month. One of them is they split them into two groups and they put 50 people in one room, 50 in the other. And they had these slides of convicted felons, what they did, how long uh, they were sentenced to prison for, and their photo. Mm. And Or wouldn't they not have their sentence? Li- like the, the idea of the uh, experiment was to have the people and the humans guess what the sentence was oh, okay, okay, based sorry. on that physical appearance. You're right. They just told them what they did and their photo, and the humans in the room uh, get to discuss the sentence, sentence, like how long they should go to prison for. And in one room, it it was the same sentence, or it was the same uh, crime for each each person, but the photos were different. They one room, they had attractive photos, and the other room, they had people who were statistically unattractive. Were they racist as shit, too? No, they weren't very racist. It okay. was just it was based attractive. off just attractive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, good yeah. <laughs> looks, physical looks, and um, it, not not good, but yeah, at least they weren't that. Yeah, yeah. The people who were unattractive got longer sentences from the fifty people, like undeniably across the board. Or oh, what? Yeah. undeniably yeah. across the board, people yeah. got longer sentences. The excuses they were giving too, they were like, "Yeah, this person." Just right off the bat, just looks like a bad person. The, the oh, weirdest oh, one oh. that I heard was the. The girl was attractive, and someone says, well, if she made one mistake, she has the rest of her life she can do good things with. And it was like murdered a child or something oh, like that. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Dude, it's crazy the built-in biases you have you don't really even realize. Not even getting on political stuff, but we all have, like, attractions. Do you know what I mean? A lot of them are possibly, uh, what's the word? like physiological attractions based on evolutionary traits that are desirable, right? And, and I don't know. It's just crazy. That's It's weird to see it so blatantly, uh, what's the word? Practice. Exploited. Or, <laughs> yeah. 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 I have been thinking a lot about lately, and this is kind of sidetracked now. Sorry, but like everyone for the most part has like at least a few standards and principles that they believe in and try to live. But it's amazing to me how much that changes when you have your own personal narrative, whether it's good or bad. And I see it all the time, even in myself. Like I'll try to bend bend it and try to conform it to like what's my situation. You Dude, know? 100%. I, I don't want to get political or whatever, 
But a lot of the times what I try to do, like a thing I've been trying to do recently is to juxtapose or switch the things in the statement. Like if a man said, does something to a woman, not how do I put this? Like if a white person says all brown people do this, switch those sentences or switch those. So if a brown person says all white people do this, you know, if it's not okay one way or the other, it's probably not okay. Do you know what I mean? Or if you're mad, you're like a lot of people are really mad and rail against a group of a different ideology. And when they do that, a lot of the times it's like they commit the same crimes that they're mad of, of like being not principle. open-minded, mm-hmm. not accepting, not loving. It's like you're doing the same thing, but it's just from your belief system. So you think it's right. Mm. That's not right. In my opinion. I think in general, and sorry, I don't want to get political or either, but in general, any, all statements are Dangerous. foolish, <laughs> foolish because you can't say that about any, all type of person i don't think yeah like i i I could be wrong because i'm not saying an all statement right now you could be like all humans are flawed okay okay yeah yeah but 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 i know what you're saying for the most part it's like you can't say all women all men all chinese all japanese all i mean all hawaiians no i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) um Anyway, point is, I think all uh, Kyles, <laughs> drink pieces monster. of shit. No, we can agree on that. Nuts, brother. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I, I, I feel like if you're born super attractive, and sometimes that almost dulls your effect to be charismatic because everything's given to you a little easier. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm, it's like you're used to it, and when it doesn't work, it's like you don't work out that muscle, it atrophies. You know? Yep. Yep. Mm. But sometimes monsters... It's a tough, tough problem to have. I, I can tell you guys from experience. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but sometimes there is a perfect combination of a sociopath who's born attractive, who learns to use charisma as a weapon. Yeah. And that's when you get... Those like, are the scary people. Yeah. And that's... If we're not talking about supernatural paranormal subjects, the masks that some monsters wear is the scariest thing to me. Does that make sense? So John Wayne Gacy had a family. BTK Killer was a scout leader. No one suspected homie. Mm-hmm. And there are these monsters with good masks on. And there's that. Nice, dude. Is that you? Well, next relationship advice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I had two more stories, but we got to cut this. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's late, y'all. It is late. All right. So... I had one story with a shadow person <laughs> that I'll take out. Save for next time. Yeah. Yeah, that it's a crazy story that deals with relationships gone bad. And when you mix that with black magic. <laughs> oh my God. So we'll talk about that next time. Seems like a bad idea. All right, so for this one, this happened to this kid back when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't the best looking kid. Weird that we're talking about looks. <laughs> He said he was about a 6 out of 10. That's sad. Like, are you giving yourself a 6 out of 10? Maybe homie's just realistic, Dude, you know? Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a 10 is like drop-dead gorgeous. 10 is like the epitome of sex. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we can't all be up there, you know what I mean? Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Side note. 
You all can't be up there. Yeah. <laughs> be realistic with yourself out there. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so he's like a six out of 10. He's moved into this new area. He doesn't have a lot of friends and it's summer. So not the greatest time to make friends. He's in his new house and he's mowing the lawn one day when a dog runs up out of nowhere, has a collar and a leash tailing behind it. He's like, what the heck? Turns off the mower, takes out his earbuds and sees the dog, starts petting it. It's like licking his face. It's this really cute dog, puppy. And some fine ass shoddy comes running down the street, <laughs> damsel in distress style. And he says nine out of 10, oh. some hot tea. She runs up. Oh my gosh. Thank you for saving my dog. I'm just kidding. Not all women sound like that. <laughs> but. <laughs> no. And he's like, no, nah, I was going to do some dumb imitation. He's like, no worries. And so they start chatting, right? Yeah. And he says, surprise to him, and I'm sure to you, they become best friends. Whoa. They become so close in the summer, they start dating. Hell Yeah. No, you can't go up three points. A six and a nine. You can uh, only go up two points. You can only go two points in either direction. This is science. Dude, I don't know. He, oh. He's one of those out there who's like, you know. He's got to have money. Champion. That's an extra point right there. <laughs> okay. So their relationship blossoms. And it's just, it's the best. He he can't He can't imagine, you know, a good attitude and awesome personality would get him so much, you know. <laughs> When he meets another girl who lives about two houses down from him. She's about a seven out of 10, he says. And they start talking. And what happens, I will tell you on this week's bonus story. That's some real blue balls for everyone who's not a <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Seeing a little bit of patrons. Yeah. Come check us out. We'll be back in just a minute for our regular listeners. Anyway, so he he has this girlfriend. It's going great, but he meets this new girl who also goes to their high school, and she's pretty open. And, he's like, and we're back. <laughs> Y'all missed out. <laughs> okay. This story will have you <laughs> shook. Ban- bananas. This is the wildest story I've heard in at least a week. And that's the Patreon story if you're just if you're listening. <laughs> I hate you. All right, folks. That was good. That was good, though. That was good. Let's close this up. Let's close this. It's late here for us. We so. got a really late start. Oh, Kevin cooked us a delicious dinner. <laughs> Charles so- took an hour and a half to find a story. <laughs> no, it was, they were given to us. Um, guys, thank you for everything. We really mean it. So anything else before we close? Believe in yourself out there. Dude, you got this week. You guys don't can let, do it. You can freaking do it. Don't dude. let this week get you. Yo, thank you. Thank you. Uh, trust your gut and watch your back. Bye. Love you. Be safe. Be careful out there.
Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of 3AM. If you want to support us, visit our Patreon where patrons have access to exclusive content. If you're not able to support us monetarily, don't worry. This episode is on us. You can still rate and review us on whatever platform you listen to us on. It really does go a long way. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle everywhere, including Patreon, is the 3AM Pod. Finally, do you have any scary stories? If so, submit them to our website, the3ampodcast.com. We love any audio or visual aids that can help bring your stories to life. So file uploads are welcome with your written submissions. We're anxious and excited to hear from you. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. 24 hours ago, I found out the person I'd been dating and seeing for the last six months as a con man. That is my sister Emma. Andrew Tonks's lies had been so convincing, she'd invested $300,000 with him. However, the tables were about to turn on Andrew. What he didn't know was that Emma had discovered his real identity. But to get any chance of justice, Emma had to act like it was business as usual. Coming up in this series, and that's when murder all this stuff goes through my mind. I'm really, really scared. I'm assuming Sarah has watched too much Netflix and figures I've been defrauding you. Couldn't be further from the truth. That's what this was, a real-life story that seems so unbelievable, but it was actually true. A true story that all starts with one simple swipe to the right. I'm Sarah Ferris. And I'm Emma Ferris. And this is my story, Conning the Con. <laughs> 